Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What exactly are orbs? Are there really witches flying through the sky in Mexico? Could one of your spiritual guardians be Abraham Lincoln? Hey there, and welcome to the 567th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those wide-ranging and kind of weird questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And for our final broadcast of 2014, uh, we bring you an open-line show to deal with your questions on any aspect of the paranormal. And we welcome your calls. Uh, The numbers are uh, 800-449-1240. That's from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Or 401-766-1240 locally. Also, we will monitor emails as well, so Paul at Behind the Paranormal is the email that you can uh, send emails to. That's BehindTheParanormal.com. You don't want to forget the right. .com in that. Well, that's what we do, Ben. Keeping one socket weird for seven years and just about everywhere else, too. I don't think we need help with that. No, no, no. The, okay, right, true. Okay, let's get to some of the emails. Now, there are several we didn't get to in our last open line show that came in on Facebook, so why don't we pick up where we left off? And start with one from ta- with t- from Tara from Situate, Rhode Island. Tara, 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 I Tara. Guess. Yes, it, or it might be Tara. I don't know. Whatever, whatever you with the s- suffix that is sort of like or prefix that is sort Depend of like Earth or whatever. Anyway, uh, I have lots of photos of orbs and other strange lights around our house and land. I know you both have experience in photography and media. Well, more photography for you. Mm. Um, how do you tell if something is uh, something in a picture is paranormal? Well, that's an awfully good question, Tara, and we we have discussed it at times here and there on the show. Uh, One of the main points is that when I started out, it was uh, cameras with film and emulsion and all that business, whether black and white or color or even slide film. You still had negatives you could look at. But with digital photography, which has, of course, come in over the last 15 years or so, or maybe more, uh, there are uh, other factors to consider. One is that, depending on the camera and its sophistication, uh, it does tend to interpret what it sees. When there are reflections or when there are objects in the air that maybe you can't even see with your naked eye or even notice, uh, it can pick those up depending on a number of circumstances, including the light refraction and all this business. And it can produce something in the uh, final photograph which looks weird and really isn't. Uh, There are a number of photographs that we have in our collection uh, which have, uh, for example, things that I know are dust particles or something on the lens or uh, even snowflakes. Uh, I'm thinking of one case, uh, Ben, where we, the one we were always talking about in, in Central Connecticut. We've been working on that, you know, for almost uh, almost ten years. <laughs> Keeps getting better. And the uh, first time we were there in '05, your, one of your first cases, we took a shot that has something in it and something that we thought was something, and uh, probably is not because uh, we found later on that it it has it was a smudge on the lens of the camera and it looked like a dark orb. Okay. Oh yes. Now uh, yes. we the, the orb situation as far as what what these actually are, you know, barring it, if you have some that, that because they do exist, because I've seen them with the naked eye, and uh, whether it comes out in a photo or not, I mean that, that's a separate issue. So uh, what are they? 
Well, that, that's a big question for anyone involved in this field, I suppose. Uh, I do notice, just going back to photography for a moment, that in the early days of, uh, when, in my salad days with this, using regular film, you wouldn't get orbs, at least not to the degree and in quite the form you get them today. However, you would have balls of light occasionally in there. So um, having looked at the emulsion and, and the, the, diff the difference now with digital photography, there does seem to be uh, the same things, only the digital camera will record them a little bit differently. But nevertheless, they do seem to be anomalies. Uh, in, the, uh, in the question of uh, what they are, um, that's really difficult. They do behave when I've seen them with the naked eye, in a semi-intelligent or even very intelligent manner. They will change course and follow you. They will run away if you try to follow them, all, all depending on, on the situation and the ore. But these are just things that I've seen. That there is no uh, common personality, if I may use the term, with these things. They will change colors seem to be type A personalities. Uh, well, in fact, it depends. I mean, That was, that was a joke. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, that was really, really very funny. I, I try. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, they do tend to change colors, and they do tend to act in a semi-intelligent or, or very intelligent manner. But sometimes so does ball lightning. If you talk to witnesses uh, who have had ball lightning, uh, even in their homes, they uh, do tend to, they'll hear a sizzling sound, and the thing sometimes will pop sometimes very loudly, obviously, to, to your great uh, upset, usually. However, I have not seen that behavior, at least the, the uh, auditory behavior of that kind, with orbs uh, of the kind you might think are paranormal. Right? Uh, I have never heard the sizzling sound. As a matter of fact, I can't remember ever hearing any sound when I've been in the presence of orbs that I could see with the naked eye. Now, that has not been very often. I'm thinking of one particular place in New Hampshire, uh, one or two in Connecticut, and, and here and there. Uh, but because usually when you take a picture of them, you can't see them with the naked eye and you know, when they come out of the photo. But in any case, um, uh, there is another possibility I have considered uh, the appearance of these things, uh, and uh, in relation to ball lightning as well. They do, t I think, lean toward the definition of a, of a plasma. Phenomena. Now, plasma is nothing but electrified air molecules, really. And it, however, I think it's very important in the study of the paranormal because I think many of the times when we have taken photos and seen what appears to be what we interpret as the boundaries between parallel worlds, which we think is what the paranormal is all about, not, not spirits and all this other 19th century stuff, but we think the, uh, the scientific uh, attempt to explain these things would lean more toward quantum mechanics and the multiverse theory, multiple worlds and all this stuff. And what seems to be the boundaries, uh, or at least a, a characteristic of the boundaries, are these electromagnetic, uh, strong electromagnetic fields that are charged and will come will look to me like plasma. So, uh, and I've seen a relationship between where those are and where the orbs are. So I suspect that it's possible, as uh, people like Carl Sagan have suggested. Carl Sagan, of course, the great uh, uh, astrophysicist from days of yore, who uh, was well known to the public, wrote the novel Contact. Even he was even a novelist. Uh, he was an advocate of um, there being somewhere. 
extraterrestrial life, and he thought that some of this could be plasma-based, whereas we ourselves, our own bodies, are based on carbon. Although everything is electrical, everything, uh, even within carbon-based life forms, is electrical. The, the impulses between uh, in your muscles, in your, in your brain, uh, your synapses, and your nerves—it's all electrical. So uh, there is a, is a continuity there. However, I think we may be dealing with life forms that live around the boundaries of these parallel worlds, okay? Uh, which, of course, are not separate from each other. They do interact, and hence you get paranormal phenomena. That's a simplistic explanation, but there you have it. So I think that um, whether they come out on your photographs or not, orbs uh, are not necessarily spirits or ghosts or anything like this, although, again, all things are possible. Uh, just I, I just don't lean toward that explanation in most cases. On the other hand, uh, even if you've got many that are life forms of this plasma type, you may have other kinds. And uh, I have seen, as a matter of fact, one of them is on the cover of my book, Footsteps in the Attic, published in 2002. There, there was an orb that I, I we got in a case. I don't know. You weren't there yet. You hadn't started yet, nope. Ben. But in Woonsocket here, as a matter of fact, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, where we broadcast from, in someone's attic, and uh, we had with us a, an electrical engineer from the University of Rhode Island, a soil engineer, you know, the typical type of people we have with us when we investigate. Uh, and you could feel a breeze coming into the room. Uh, Shane Searway, our good friend, happened to take a photograph, two photographs, and he got this orb, uh, which looked like it, just like a, a, the face of an old woman. And uh, I, in my interpretation, it wasn't the spirit of somebody who died. It was someone living in the house in a parallel world, perfectly physical, came up in her, in her attic to see, to, hear what, to see what was going on when she heard footsteps up there. There are brave old women who do that, many, many of them. And there had been some suggestion that, that there was uh, someone using a rocking chair downstairs, and the worlds were overlapping, okay? And she was probably just as confused as the people in the house. So there we have it. We don't know really what they are, but those are some possibilities we might suggest. Okay. Um, when you have uh, an issue of uh, one in a photograph, you uh, might want to consider these these before you make a decision about what these might be. Uh, and you also might want to, of course, check your lens, uh, be, pay great attention to things that are uh, in the environment at the time. And they, you know, very likely you're going to find dust or uh, anything of this kind that might be uh, being interpreted by the digital camera as something that it's not. Uh, just before we leave this point, one more thing uh, might be to consider if, if you're out at night, if you are taking photographs with a flash, that is another giveaway that you may be having um, something else other than uh, an orb in the classic paranormal sense. So just be aware of the environmental factors and the, the equipment you're using. Uh, if you're taking a flash, I mean, particularly for you, those of you who run around cemeteries, something we don't suggest, uh, and you're taking pictures, there are many stones in modern cemeteries that are shiny, have a shiny surface, polished surface, and this will reflect. Insects will reflect as they're flying by on a summer night. You won't see them with your eyes, but they will come out as uh, even as moving orbs. So just be aware of all these things, and just try to, try to use good judgment. We have a caller, and uh, this is Bill from Franklin. Let me put my headset on here, and I, all right, I can barely, re oh, there we go. Bill, how are you this evening? Okay. Welcome back to the show. What uh, What's cooking? You, you were t talking about photography. I do photography all the time, and I've never seen orbs. 
Oh well, no, that, that's the thing too. Well, I have I had training in the military in photography, and uh, at the taxpayers' expense, I always joke with my audiences, and um, they do come out now and then. But you very often, if you have any idea about anomalies or extras, as they were called, you can tell that they're something other than what people think. My, my they new are. friend, my new friend, got, got me playing around with the photos, like you know, uh, flipping them horizontally and then putting the ends together, and you're getting getting these weird patterns. Oh yeah, there, there's all kinds of. Uh, there, there's an artsy been, way to do that. I've been making, I've been making my own creations, and they look really weird. And and one of them was uh, a light, uh, and it was, it was, it was uh, ice on a on a window, and I and I put a lot of uh, saturation in it, and and up on the top, I swear it looks like a Chinaman's face with with another person's face underneath it. Well, you just brought up an important point, Bill, that I didn't mention, and that's that the but, the brain it, will and take. And it's right where it's right where the the two photos go together, so like half the face is on one photo when you flip it over and the other half's there, you know? There you go, yeah. Well, as I say, the brain will take what it sees and make some sense out of it. I remember yeah. there's there's one... Uh, have you ever come to any of our lectures? No. Okay, we have to do that sometime, but uh, but th- that's very... Few. Well, Bill, th- thanks for the call. You get, you're going to get me on another subject. The face even, even, even has a... Has a has a mustache, you know, and it's, it's kind of strange. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, again, you know, it, it, we we will look at something and we will see what we the brain tells us essentially to see. Yeah, I'm thinking it's only ice crystals, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, speaking of ice, I'm thinking of a of a patch of ice on the sidewalk. Someone came. This is many years ago. Somebody came running to me and said, "Oh, look at this." And if you look at the picture, you can. If you look at the the patch of ice on the sidewalk, it was near Christmas time. You could see. Uh, the the belly the the sack of toys the hat the hand waved oh, yeah. it was Santa Claus right oh yeah and I often joke that you know had this been Jesus or a saint tourism in Woonsocket would have gone to, to Pluto right but uh, it was just very but the the brain will take what it sees and make it into something sen- I, you know I sens- take reflections off a of, of, of water all the time I, lo- I love doing that oh yeah no you can come up with some beautiful photography you can win some prizes you know yeah. exactly well Bill thanks for the call. Okay. Okay. Bye. Take care, then. All right. So let's move on to something else. Uh, we have one from Helena in the, in the Zaparan, Mexico. We have a big listenership in Mexico for some reason. Very glad of it. Wow, that is an me. I've never heard of that name before in my life. Well, fun facts. My geography is terrible. Anyway, Paul and Ben, here in Mexico, there are uh, many sightings of La Bruja. Uh, that means which in Spanish. Yes. Um, I know uh, you know this because you talked about it in some podcasts. Uh, what do you think these are? Many people have uh, superstitions and really think they are witches. What do you think these are? Well, I should say bru- bruja is the female and, and the uh, brujo is the male. Would that be wizard? Well, we're not talking about Hogwarts here. Ben. No, well, I don't know. Witches and yeah, wizards? I suppose, yeah, I suppose. No, it would just be male witch. I mean... Yeah, I, I guess know. that makes sense, kind of like a witch doctor or something. Yeah, 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 yeah I guess. Well, in any case, uh, yeah, Mexico has been a real hotspot for a long time for UFOs, uh, cryptid sightings, paranormal chupacabra, paranormal phenomena, this sort of thing. And the whole chupacabra thing, which is uh, a cryptid, and again, if you don't know what a cryptid is, it's it's a uh, an uncharact- uh, unclassified animal. Nobody's really sure if it really exists. It's like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, all that kind of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, the, that began in the Caribbean, and some of the Caribbean islands, particularly Puerto Rico. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I heard a few stories when I was there in 1984, although I was looking 
was researching something else. And then all of a sudden you started to hear about it on the, uh, on the mainland of Mexico and, and Central America and then kind of moving up. And now, now you're getting stories from Texas and Arizona and uh, New Mexico uh, about the chupacabra, which is, is supposed to be a blood-sucking animal, which uh, often attacks cattle and this kind of thing, though it is not generally associated with the cattle mutilations we talked about on the show with Chris O'Brien uh, uh, two weeks ago. But in any case, uh, that's what the chupacabra is. So you've got all this stuff going on in Mexico. There are lots of videos of this, and I'm trying to get uh, Jaime Mausen on the show. I, his, his, speaks very, his English is excellent, and I need to get in touch with him, and I've been meaning to do that and get him on, on the show because I am in touch with him, but I, I want to set up a booking with him. He's a Mexican journalist, and he's somewhat controversial, but he's an expert in the paranormal in Mexico, particularly UFOs. And uh, these flying things are, uh, yeah, I suppose you could, in a way, put in the UFO category. But there are some, a number of videos I have seen that are really quite remarkable. Uh, they are associated with what has come to the fore in the paranormal as flying humanoids. You know what it reminds me of? Kind of, kind of like the Flatwoods monster, almost. You know, that, that, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, we've had um, some people on about, uh, especially Frank Faschino, I'm thinking of, who's written several books on that uh, phenomenon, which occurred early in the 1950s in uh, West Virginia, a state that I love dearly. I, I, I just love it there. But in any case, they have issues with um, a, a UFO sightings, and uh, Frank has traced it to, uh, has broadened the picture, as we like to do with any paranormal situation, uh, to sightings over Washington on the same, uh, in the same few days, apparent, uh, what he believes was an apparent rescue mission by someone uh, with uh, a landing in, at least several times, in the mountains of West Virginia, in the Flatwoods area, um, and these people coming up, multiple people seeing at the, the uh, a floating, uh, apparently a, some sort of, of creature, uh, or a denizen of one of these craft, uh, f- literally floating through the air on some sort of machine. And there are a number of um, renditions of this in art, and it's a famous case. So that's the Flatwoods Monster case Ben is referring to. So it's, uh, it's a good question about what these flying things may be. Uh, I think, uh, as always, you first look at mundane explanations. Several of these have been... Uh, well, they're also spilling over to Arizona as well in the American Southwest. There have been the photographs of these things in the sky. Some of them have been shown, and I think they certainly look like black balloons that may be arranged in the form of a human figure and may be... Um, uh, just floating there, and people say, aha, this was a flying humanoid. However, I'm thinking of several uh, that, that have been uh, videos that have been taken, including several by, by Mexican police, uh, who are, <clears throat> I can't imagine, really would be hoaxers. There is one that really is striking. There's a figure walking along the top of a ridge. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's in a uh, rural area, and it's rather barren and desert-like, as uh, is most of Mexico. But you have this figure walking and coming to the edge of a cliff, and he, she, or it keeps walking and floats across a very open space between two hills and just keeps floating. And it does, it's a, a balloon, usually, unless it's on a tether, would... Um, float up or down or the wind would take it or something like that. Yeah, the other thing is it's just a static. It's like that 
just doesn't no deviation up or down. Yeah, just a straight path, so to speak, uh, through the air, as it were. So what that is, uh, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, you could have alien connections. Uh, of course, what do you mean by aliens? I mean, does somebody does it have to be someone from another planet? Does it have to be? You know, uh, uh, certainly doesn't be a witch. I mean, yeah, I don't really know much about it myself. Yeah, well, yeah, we hear from Mexican listeners on this now and then, but nobody really can explain it. But it is part of a general uh, flat, perhaps, in in that part of the world. So, um, could they be witches? I mean, what do you mean by a witch? I would ask uh, our listener. Um, These are terms. See, we tend to apply terms to the paranormal that we understand. Yeah. uh, Whether we understand the phenomenon or not, we're always on about that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we, we take, whenever we feel a presence or something moving that we, we can't see it, or we get something strange, Jennifer, aha, it's, it has to be a ghost. Uh, <clears throat> particularly if someone has just died, to say, aha, it has to be. Well, we don't know anything of the kind. And uh, when you look more deeply at it, it gets far more interesting than that. And I think that the whole, and this is what led us to the whole spirit, the questioning, the entire spiritual or spiritualist approach to, to ghosts and the paranormal. So the whole witch thing may be something we just have no idea about, and it may be um, nothing of, uh, th- that we think it is at all. It may be everything, every possible ex- explanation we've suggested is wrong as well. So I'm afraid I have to tell you that we just, we just don't know at this point. So, but it is interesting. Okay. Uh, we are moving on now. Moving on. Oh my gosh, we've still got lots of Facebook ones. Okay. Uh, well, this is the last page of them. Okay. Well, there's a, there's one I want to get to here. Which one? Uh, well, no, uh, why don't you do one more of those, and then I want to get to this after the break. Okie doke. So uh, here's one from Alex uh, from Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and dear old hometown. So uh, I hope you do not think this is a stupid question, but what about mermaids? Uh, there have been uh, some TV shows uh, lately on uh, mermaids. I know some of it is fake. I'm pretty sure all of it's fake. It's like, it's like <laughs> no, actually, I know for a fact that it's all. Yeah, oh yeah, all of them are fake. Because well, it's well, it's like a it's like a like a mockumentary kind of thing. Yeah, like a docudrama. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, anyways, he continues on. But have you ever seen anything like this? Well, short answer, no. <laughs> well, no, and I've I've been. Uh, at sea in the military, and I uh, made it a point to keep my eyes open in the Bermuda Triangle, quote-unquote, and all for the mermaids? Sermon. Not specifically for mermaids. Actually, in Puerto Rico, I was uh, speaking with a member of the legislature there at the Times back in the 80s, uh, who had been a UFO witness. There's a lot of strange... Uh, uh, information coming out of the Mona Passage, which is right off San Juan there, and uh, about uh, UFOs and this sort of thing. Uh, however, um, the mermaid issue, I mean, anything is possible. Uh, I, older, old sailors used to tell stories of things they'd seen, and, and uh, I, I don't know. Well, we only know, like, maybe... How much, how much of the ocean have we actually explored? Well, well not really a lot. I mean, we, we know more about outer space... And the planets in our in our system than than we do about the bottom of the oceans uh, in many cases they've been yeah. mapped, but all that does is show you the contours of the land underneath the ocean. Yeah, I mean they're still like they're still like finding. Yeah. I think it's like every other week they're finding a new species. I remember one particular friend who was an oceanographer, and this is many many years ago. Uh, he was at uh, he was out of Woods Hole, the, the oceanographic institution there, at the time, and there was a, a research vessel. Uh, over the Peru-Chile Trench, which is the deepest or one of the deepest uh, in the Pacific, and that are the deepest parts of the Pacific, and he said that they were uh, they were they were looking for 
among other things, the giant squid and this stuff like this. They had a huge titanium hook, which they lowered way the heck down. You know, there are several miles uh, of water we're talking about here. Mm. And at one point, in the middle of the night, most of them were sleeping. Something, the whole ship began to shudder. I can't remember the size of the ship, but it wasn't small. And when they hauled that hook back up, it was straightened out. It was a titanium alloy, very strong for the time. And uh, I don't know, they never could quite figure out what it is. I mean, today they could have done DNA testing on whatever might remain on the hook of, of the saliva from the, of the creature, if it was a, a mouse indeed that did that. So uh, there, there are all sorts of things we don't know about. Uh, again, everything in the multiverse, uh, if our interpretation is correct, uh, is in that branch of physics, is possible. Everything you can, can, otherwise you would not be able to conceive it. We have a lot of fun on Halloween shows around here talking about you, how you have the, uh, you know, the, if the great pumpkin or some, something of that kind had not existed in some, somewhere or somewhere in the multiverse and some parallel world somewhere, then, um, the, uh, is it Schultz who did the Peanuts cartoons would never have been able, yeah, Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz would never have been able to conceive it. And that's uh, that seems to be how it works. But if if we're right, then uh, mermaids or mer people, if you will, do exist at some point and in some uh, in some way. But whether it's in this re- realm that we live in is another is another question. Uh, interpret misinterpretations have been made of manatees and other creatures that people say, or sea lions or something that people seem to think. Oh, and sailors sometimes just like to tell tall tales. So yeah. we we just don't know, but the stuff you see on TV and on YouTube, I would either reject or take with a pillar of salt because it just it's it's very easy to fake, and people love to do it and fake everybody. I mean, some of the stuff you see on YouTube is just beyond comprehension as far as any kind of decent photography is concerned. So oh, yes. there you have it. That's all we can say about that. Indeed. So let's take our break. You're listening to our open line show here. It's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. And we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Garrow, the host of PRN's Garage Pass, where I keep you up to date with all the latest NASCAR racing news. Garage Pass can be heard right here on WOON every Tuesday through Saturday mornings at 735 and is sponsored by Simon Chevrolet, 114 Fortin Drive, One Socket. Remember, Simon Chevrolet is always open online at simonchevy.com. Garage Pass, Simon Chevrolet and WOON One Socket Radio, a win combination. Owen Radio, Owen Worldwide. All right, welcome back. And before we get back to our open line show here, I just wanted to let you know about some of the charities Ben and I have adopted. Most of them are veterans charities. Uh, certainly, uh, buildershelpingheroes.org. You can check that out. That's local here in Rhode Island. And um, certainly, uh, Canadian Veterans Advocacy for our friends to the north. And usacares.org, doing great things financially for veterans and their families. And uh, we also, uh, a non-veterans charity we, we really like a lot is Youth Mentoring Connection uh, out in Los Angeles, youthmentoring.org. Tony LaRay out there doing great things for at-risk youth using indigenous wisdom. It's really good. It's not occult stuff. It's just really uh, common sense stuff that, that he is using and has been for some years now doing great things out there. So check that out too, youthmentoring.org. Okay, so let's get back to our emails here. This is a rather long one, but I think it's very interesting. It's from Buffy, and I 
do not know where Buffy is from, but Ben, if you would, uh, let's take it one step at a time here, if we could. Okie doke. Well, this is a long one. Alrighty, so let us uh, start from the very beginning. Uh, I've only shared these events with my family because of the strangeness of it. Um, allow me to add, I am in my 30s and of sound mind. I am a nurse and an active member in my community. The paranormal has fascinated me, but I never actively searched or engaged in researching it. I'm of the Catholic faith, and I believe that is why I have brushed aside this issue I am going to share with you. Uh, it seems, uh, unless spiritual events are r religious figures, the church regards all else as demonic. Uh, I never bought that, that theory, and I find it to be quite uh, antiquated. Working on... And uh, are working an odd shift, I discovered your show through Coast to Coast AM. I was fascinated by the idea of the multiverse and thought that uh, peaceful and loving thoughts can dissolve many hauntings. Uh, my first memory is standing up in my crib on, and on my wall was a shadow that uh, I was floored to discover once I started primary school was that of uh, Mount Rushmore. But... Uh, yeah, I, it's unusual. I knew immediately who these uh, gentlemen were, and I was overcome with emotion, particularly when, when seeing Abraham Lincoln. It was as if I was seeing a picture of someone I knew uh, intimately. As a small child, I could not understand or reason why I felt like I knew this old gentleman, not just by sight, but I felt like I knew him personally. I had just no idea why. I remember seeing a full shadow on my wall as a very young child. It was uh, very calming and never alarmed and never alarmed me at all. Uh, fast forward to adulthood, I always wondered why uh, I stopped seeing his shadow and passed it off as just odd. Though I no longer saw his shadow uh, any time I would see his uh, picture or read of him, I felt a bond, uh, though I passed it off as my strange childhood experience with him, until I gave birth to my daughter. Uh, she was born February 12th, Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Uh, I smiled and once again passed it off as an odd uh, but sweet coincidence. Now, fast forward almost seven years later, I had what I can only describe as a dream visitation from, you guessed it, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I've never in my life had a dream of uh, a dream as such. In this dream, I am in a cemetery. It is a beautiful sunny day, quite uh, quiet, no sound at all. Uh, I see Abe Lincoln standing next to a tree. I realize that I am not watching this like a normal dream. I am there with him. Immediately, uh, he I immediately speak to him as if. Uh, or as he is standing near me, looking at me, I quickly explain my connection. I have uh, seen and felt my entire life to him, and that my daughter even shares his birthday. He nodded his head and smiled and extended his arm and invited me to sit down. He didn't speak out loud, but I heard him in my mind. I was over overcome that, though I was sleeping, I was very much conscious and in control of myself in this dream. So I asked the question that I could hardly contain, um... Though he spoke telepathically to me, I spoke out loud to him. Odd. I asked if him. I asked. I asked if he if he was aware of current events in our time. His facial expression changed, and instantly, from joyful to grave, he bowed his head down and looked away from me. Then my alarm clock uh, went off and woke me up. 
that was almost a year ago. Your multiverse idea has made me come to the conclusion that maybe in another world and time, I am a part of his life, uh, be it family or some other associate, and he has just periodically checked in on me. I wonder now, learning of his sorrow of uh, losing his son as a child and grieving, um, uh, uh, blah, 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 or was I... Uh, well, that, well, why don't we take it from, from there? Because, yeah. Yeah, cause that's almost the end. Yeah. Um, this is very interesting, and uh, I'm glad that she has looked at the multiverse possibilities here rather than saying, aha, I'm the reincarnation of Abraham Lincoln, okay? Uh, reincarnation, first of all, is uh, is a, an, uh, an well, in, in for most people, is an obvious recourse in answering the questions that may be associated with dreams of a particular person from the past, especially if the person was famous. I mean, I, there are a lot of people who, uh, who might run into who are, you know, they're, they're never the reincarnation of anybody ordinary. It's always some king or princess or something like this. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, of course. Now, Lincoln is an interesting figure. He was very much into spiritualism. Uh, at the behest of his wife, because they had lost uh, not one, uh, if, unless I'm wrong here, I'm putting on my historian's hat, but two children <clears throat> over the course of, of, a, of a marriage that was kind of fraught with, with some sadness. I mean, they got along all right, but she became a handful after the loss of the children, you know, which is understandable. He himself was a very melancholy man. Uh, he had... Uh, a sort of backward sense of humor, uh, much of which was off-color, but he still kind of got things going. He was elected president. And uh, he's a rather controversial figure, really, or should be. Um, <clears throat> with all due respect to the man, he, uh, <clears throat> he, he, made, uh, he made good as a lawyer pretty much by taking people's land for the railroads. Uh, he also, <clears throat> excuse me, he also was, um, you can argue that he, destroyed the Constitution, did absolutely nothing for the slaves that he is credited with emancipating, because the Emancipation Proclamation had no practical effect whatsoever. It only applied to states, quote, in rebellion against the Union, which, of course, weren't going to listen to it anyway. And it didn't apply to two slave states which adhered to the Union, and there were three. Uh, Maryland, Delaware, I'm sure I should say really four, Maryland, Delaware, Kentucky, and Missouri. And... Um, if the Civil War was about slavery, which it was not, uh, why would slave states have been in the Union and sent troops to fight the South? So that's, this, this is not what our show is about. But the point being, Lincoln was a very, very interesting person. I know that he, I'm sure he was doing what he believed was right, because he hated slavery. But he was a politician first. And when people are politicians first, we know what it can do. Anyway... The issue of connection with people such as, as a historical figure of this magnitude uh, can be taken in a certain way from our, from our point of view, and that's that we are very literally facets of each other in the multiverse. At some point, uh, Buffy, in the multiverse, somewhere or somewhere, you are Abraham Lincoln, and he is you, very literally. It's difficult, I, I really cannot stress enough how literal and concrete these connections are. As we talk about this, and this is our belief, I mean, I don't have any proof of it, but this is what we've seen in the paranormal for a combined total of, I guess, we, we've, over 50 years now, Ben and I have been, uh, a combined experience. So I, that's our interpretation, and I think we've got uh, some serious implications for spirituality, for interpersonal relations with this. And it's not sappy and 
maudlin and silly and fuzzy. That's not what it's supposed to be. It is a way, I think, of understanding, getting beyond the tip of the iceberg of the, the paranormal and really of life itself and seeing what we really are and who we really are. And we really are each other. We live super lives, if you will. Uh, we are present, apparently, in many different parallel worlds. If we die in one, and uh, it may intersect with one in which we didn't, aha, there's your ghost, quote-unquote, right? And it's not your spirit, it's you. Uh, still existing in parallel worlds. And we've gone through this many times on the show and in many ways. So I think that your connection with Abraham Lincoln uh, may be uh, very genuine. On the other hand, it could be just dreams and it could be just coincidences. But, you know, after all these years in the paranormal, I, I don't have much respect for the idea of coincidences. I don't think any ha anything happens by chance, personally. So uh, I'm thinking, too, of uh, the young Mozart, Ben. Hmm? Uh, who wrote his first concerto at the age of four and was performing before the crowned heads of Europe and the Pope uh, by, by the age of five. And he was a brilliant musician. I mean, th th is this kind of talent native in people? Sure, maybe. Or he was, in, in the connect he was connected very intimately with worlds in which he was a brilliant pianist or even in worlds where he was his adult self. And had and it could have it could have been a, a sort of backfeed from the worlds that exist simultaneously, but in some of which in our consciousness we it would be the future, and in some it would be the past for us. So uh, some this is an example of one being, I suppose, in a certain sense, one's own guardian angel. All right, um, the, the adult Mozart might have been in, unconsciously feeding information back to the child Mozart. And with this amazing and, and this amazing talent came out in the way it did. That's just one possibility. So I think you may indeed have a connection with Lincoln. Um, and I, but I would avoid the reincarnation thing. I don't think that's valid. All right. So um, you know, I'd be interested in hearing if anything else develops with your daughter, Buffy, on this. Um, it, it is, of course, I think you can also. Right? Lincoln uh, was born. I would see now. Um, I should have looked this up. I'm not going to talk about something. I'm not going to speculate unless I look it up. But I'm going to look up when he was born. And February 12th may not have been, they still might have been on the Julian calendar, and February 12th might not have been the same February 12th. But be that as it may, it is interesting, and thank you for your interesting note. And keep us posted on anything that may, that may happen. And, uh, but be aware that there can be suggestibility, and you could be reading things into it as well. So uh, very interesting. And, then, you know, it's always good to be interested in history and historical figures. We have another one from Facebook, do we? Oh, we have two left. Okay. Um, this one's from uh, Kenny in Douglas, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm always fascinated when you talk about animal ghosts on your show. I like the interviews with animal communicator uh, uh, Karen Anderson, uh, which you have not done for some time. My question is, what do you both actually think is behind animal ghosts, and can we really communicate with animals in the way that Karen says she does, or are we just communicating with a part of ourselves? That's a good question. What do you think of that? What do I think? You, you've been on most of the shows Karen's been on. Yeah, well, um, that's a good question, uh, which I need time to think about. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I've been impressed by Karen. Uh, we've known Karen for years, and uh, as a matter of fact, our media company published her book, uh, Hear All Creatures. And, you know, I, I take it with, with a kind of a grain of salt, but Karen is a very sincere and honest person, and I've been impressed kind of just for the heck of it. One time we uh, we gave her a picture of our cat and a neighbor cat 
who was good friends with our cat, and she kind of nailed them to a T, and she lives in Washington State, has never met them, <laughs> and it was kind of interesting. But again, you know, it, it's the same thing with reading people, and we had Roland Comtois on last week, and there have been, there were, have been a lot of questions. I wanted, if we had time, I wanted to get to some of the questions that, uh, and to put them in a single form because there were so many of the same uh, kind of questions about that. But uh, as far as uh, animal communicators and the way they read animals, uh, I, I I think there's a connection with animals, just as there is with people, in the way we just described with Buffy and her relationship with Abraham Lincoln. All life in the biosphere does seem to be connected. It's not just people. There is a lot out there, not just in the biosphere, but in the multiverse, which is also a huge biosphere in our, you know, the, the community of life. Uh, and we're just a small part of that, our particular species. So I think that there is, again, the idea of the island theory we're always harping about is wrong, that we are contained within ourselves. Well, there's one thing I've noticed, this is just an observation, um, is that when Karen does do animal readings, it's always comments about the person. Like, it's, it's, it always... The animal commenting on the person. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, that's not a good thing to me. It's not... A, oh, but it's true that, 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 that that's what she does. Yes. Yes. But I didn't mean that it's valid. No. What I'm saying is, not, not to say that she's wrong, but I find that concerning to me, because then don't these animals have other things to do? Well, I, I've been struck rather by than the, rather than speculating on your heart health. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our cat was griping about my diet for Pete's sake. Yeah, don't you think that's kind of weird? Down. Yes, especially when you see what he eats. So, in any case, I, I, yeah, I think you got a point there, Ben. The uh, tremendous. Wi- I have no doubt that the, the, there is animal wisdom. Well, we've done shows. And we've mentioned the the tremendous uh, wisdom and kindness we've seen among especially at our old house in Cumberland Rhode Island where we were kind of in the woods and we had a whole community of cats and ducks and chickens and the, you name it and how the cats particularly got along with each other and with the the uh, the, the other animals in, in that vicinity the the uh, non domesticated animals which was quite remarkable in my opinion so uh, that's going to be in chapter 10 of our new book, when it's, we'll let you know what's coming out. But in any case, uh, the, the tremendous wisdom, uh, there, is, there is wisdom there, but to the point well, it just makes that it Karen has like, described, it makes me kind of wonder if, I don't know. Well, it, it, it's odd because it makes it as if the only thing the animal thinks about is, you know what, you're not eating the right stuff. You're eating, yeah. too, you're, you're eating too many donuts. You need, to, you need to cut that out. And it's like, why would they care? I don't eat donuts. I mean, I, I know like I, I know that all our cat cares about is just eating. That's yeah, pretty, that's pretty much his, his his sole goal in life is to get. Well, he's really old. He's food. retired. He lives in the house now. That's a good point. Yeah. But I mean, the the point being is that most of these animals aren't subservient to humans. It's no, like they they have their own things that they yeah. do, and I mean that excluding dogs for the most part. Most of these creatures are so are are perceived by Karen as like, well, they just want to help you. They want you to be okay. Well, I mean, I like to think that that's part of the picture. And when she does these quote unquote readings, maybe that's what comes through. Uh, but you can't get around things like, uh, well, right here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, Richard Gere and, and the, whatever studio it was was here making the movie Hachi about the dog, <clears throat> based on a true story, albeit from Japan, that the dog uh, was very devoted to this fellow who uh, would go on the train every day to work and then come back, 
And when the dog, um, when, when the fellow died, the dog continued to go to the railway station every day. And um, there's even a statue of him, I believe, in Woonsocket, where the, the, the scene was made of him waiting for the... Oh, yeah, yeah. They, and and there, there's a scene where he's hiding under a caboose at, at the end of our street. So um, th- there, is, there are stories of, of remarkable devotion, uh, cats that cross vast distances across North America to get home, uh, and, and tremendous devotion uh, when animals um, uh, lose their people, that sort of thing, and uh, animal ghosts as well. Uh, we, I, I really, I've run into a few that might have been that, but again, I don't think they're ghosts. They're just parallel in, worlds. In my limited experience, I've yet to run into that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that um, maybe Karen's giving too much credit, but maybe you're not giving enough. I don't know. Well, I think I don't. I don't think it's that. I think it's what we perceive. To, to to pick up or what we want to pick up if our intent is to help people make them feel better then if said animal is has other things on its mind but it's like oh well this is kind of weird you should probably tell them about that mm-hmm. that kind of thing but even then I'm, I'm taking it with a grain of salt no no uh, so as you should everything in the parent but I think the, whatever comes through is whatever Karen wants to pick up you, very possible you see what I'm sure. saying I didn't mean to be criticizing our good friend Karen, but no, no I'm not, I don't mean to, right. I don't yeah. mean to criticize either. Sure. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm speculating on what might yeah. be happening. No, I think it's very very possible. Yeah. Indeed. So, so again, uh, yeah, I think uh, we have a relationship, special relationships with, with our animals. But again, it, it is a there is a multiversal interpretation that could explain that. Right. Okay. So um, we have one more. Indeed, we do. And this let's is see if we can manage to get it in. This is an update from uh, Donna in Connecticut. Oh yes. Um, and uh, this is the, this case we mentioned before, Central Connecticut, Litchfield County, remarkable case. I'm trying to be as vague as right possible now. about where she is. Right. Uh, so she, she writes to us, uh, I had an experience tonight, of course this was probably a while ago, I had an experience that I have not uh, had since my kids were little. I put my London blue uh, topaz necklace on where uh, when I went to a bridal shower on Sunday, and I didn't take it off. Today, while on the computer, I, it started rolling down and down um, the sides of my neck, um, and I put my hand on it to stop it. Then, about ten minutes later, it started again. My daughter came to uh, pick Dale up after work, and when I was uh, standing on the lawn talking to her, it started again. In my den yesterday, I, I saw a skinny black rectangle uh, that was moving from left to right. It was long and not touching the floor. Probably about three inches deep, tall, and narrow. Okay. And that's it. That's it. Well, the, the, we, we get constant reports. Uh, Donna's one of our show reporters and is in the midst of this amazing case uh, that really has been going on for uh, over 60 years in her case in this wonderful farmhouse where you've had six generations of her family living. Now, there are two issues here that she mentions. One is this necklace moving up and down the neck. And the uh, rectangular figure. There, we've encountered some very uh, interesting reports of, of strange multiversal species, so to speak, here. Because again, everything is out there, and the uh, various life forms that one will encounter can be very strange. Of course, people think they're ghosts or something, and they're not. They're just 
passing through an area, in this case, where there are tremendous numbers of intersections between parallel worlds, in our opinion. And uh, these uh, rectangular figures are very common there, and uh, they've been seen outside and in- inside. Now, they may not, not, none of this may be connected, none of the entities may be connected with the necklace incident. The, uh, I've heard of this before in certain cases, uh, jewelry being affected. Now, of course, jewel, not, not, I don't think this is metal that she's talking about because I've asked. And, uh, but in any case, any sort of material object can be affected by, not necessarily by being deliberately messed with by entities, although I suppose that's possible. They can be influenced and uh, can, I suppose, be caused to move by the processes and the energies that are present when, uh, among other things, entities can manifest. Now, let me put that in another way. In the um, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Poltergeist case, subject of the new book by Bill Hall, uh, The World's Most Haunted House, um, I stood there and watched refrigerator levitate and all these different things happen. And I think what was happening was not that the poltergeist or the entities or the ghosts or the demons or whatever you want to call it, were deliberately lifting the refrigerator because I didn't feel any presence when that was happening. And, the, and these, these things are kind of ha, kind of have a sledgehammer presence. Your skin crawls and everything else, and you can feel le- it even can measure. <coughs> excuse me on uh, electrical equipment, and uh, that did not happen in the case of many of these these uh, rather dramatic movements of objects. So I think that the the forces involved can move the objects. In other words, uh, the, the metaphor I always use is if, if you're moving rapidly down a hallway and you, there are some papers on the desk, loose papers, and they fall off the desk because of the air you created uh, by running down the, the hallway. It doesn't mean that you necessarily picked up the papers and threw them on the floor deliberately, but that just the, the forces involved, the energies involved, uh, did that as a byproduct of your presence. So I think that that, that might be one of the uh, the things that's going on with this necklace. And I understand that's happened several times uh, more recently. Uh, everything has happened in this case. We refer to it as Connecticut's Skinwalker Ranch. And Skinwalker Ranch is a famous case in Utah where all things like this happen, and even more dramatic things. Uh, things come and go through holes in the air. Uh, UFOs come through holes in the sky. If, if you believe the the group that's working there, which supposedly are people with PhDs. So um, there you have it. So <clears throat> any comments on that, Ben? You've been there many times and have, have I? Uh, started working on this case. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's still a lot of conclusions I can't really draw from it. No, no. Well, that's, you know, actually, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, the uh, uh, Bill Hall, who wrote the book on the Bridgeport case, is working on one on this case now. Yeah. And uh, as I told him, he moves uh, faster than a flea on a date. I mean, he just, I, I said, this is really, I, I said, I don't know if this is ready for prime time. We haven't reached any conclusions. No. Uh, although it's like the, every time we go, there's just more questions that are just need to be answered. And this question. is the case that has morphed in, out of this house and has seemed to embrace the whole area. And uh, military activity, some kind of research perhaps going on there. But again, nothing you can really put your fi- you can put your finger on the incidents. But as far as tying them together, it could be coincidence. But I I doubt it. 
personally, and, and we've been... Well, until we find some sort of hard evidence for it, you can't really... Yeah, well, well th- that brings up the question, what what constitutes hard evidence? Uh, the, uh, are the UFO sightings really connected with the, the ghostly activity or the poltergeist activity? Uh, I tend to think they are, because of their nature, uh, Bigfoot sightings going on. Well, I mean, then you'd have to explain to somebody who doesn't understand the nature in which you're looking at this. Well, that's true. That's why we always talk about the multiverse and intersects in different worlds with different creatures in them coming together, and that's why you see this stuff and you can't catch them. You know, so so that's kind of what we're we were we were looking at. So there you go. Anyway, uh, that is uh, her report uh, from Donna there in, the, in that very interesting case. Uh, there, did we read this one from? Oh, Red, we we read all of them from Rajiv in Mumbai, India. Let me, let me look at it really quick. Right at the bottom. Uh, we might have just time to... Yes, yes, we did. We did, okay. We Sorry, I forgot, to, I forgot to mark it. Okay, very good. So, um, anyway, we're... Um, I think that's just about all we can have time for. And I wanted to wish everyone a very happy New Year, for those who celebrate the New Year at this point. And uh, we ask you to stay tuned after our show. we got the Boston Bruins playing the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, I often, whenever, whenever they pl- used to play Detroit, when we were on WMEC in Detroit on CBS, uh, that was uh, always a problem. Who do we root for? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? I think we ended up sticking with Bruins. Yeah, well, that is our hometown team, uh, so it's true. True, yeah, true, so. true. All right, good. All right, so there we have it. So, why don't we begin our announcements? Indeed. So, you can visit our show website, that's at BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly 600 free podcasts of all of our past shows uh, from both ON1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with uh, special shows and podcasts. And we have been, there have been several people who have asked about getting our podcast back on iTunes. All the CBS ones are on iTunes, but the ones from ON are not. And we, we're going to look into that and see just how it works. You can get all these podcasts on the website, as Ben just said, but we're going to look into uh, getting them back on, getting them on iTunes, and we'll let you know uh, how that goes. Uh, and you can find my books on Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, Barnes and Noble Nook, and all the usual places. Uh, those are that's Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. If you are an, of a historic and historical bent. Then Rhode Island, a genial history, also which I wrote with Glenn Laxton some years ago. Uh, it's used in several school district, districts, much to my amazement, because it's not politically correct. But anyway, if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I'll be happy to sign them for you, and you will help us keep all those podcasts on that website free. Also, uh, you'll find direct links on those sites to the charities Ben and I have adopted, the ones we mentioned earlier, and several others. And uh, let's... Uh, Let's check that out again. It's a youthmentoring.org, and Canadian Veterans Advocacy, etc., and the great stuff. Are we going to have Tony LeRae back on at some point? I'd like to have Tony. You know, we put Tony in touch uh, with one of the other guests who was from Peru, because they both had interests in Peru. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's going to be an interesting. I'd like to have the both of them on talking about indigenous wisdom and how to apply it to modern life, and as Tony does, to, uh, to at-risk youth. So um, we also would... Uh, what do we got next week? Um, oh, yes. Uh, next Monday, January 5th, it'll be our first show of 2015, of course, uh, here on ON 1240 and ONworldwide.com. Cryptozoology expert Linda Godfrey will be back for a look at American Monsters. She has a new book on that, and I think it's going to be interesting. She was on before talking about the American Wolfman. That was kind of interesting. And Linda's a very... I think I missed that show. I think I oh, maybe, sick. yeah. 
good feet on the ground sort of people kind of person we like and uh, very sensible and very interesting approach to the cryptozoology and we'll get into maybe some of the chupacabra stuff that we were talking about oh, before oh yeah we, I don't think we've ever had a show on the chupacabra we, I don't think we have either well maybe we shouldn't <laughs> yeah yeah it's amazing you know when we first started this show which is going on seven years now I was worried that we would run out of subjects but we we keep running into things we have never covered and we have there are great guests out there some are not some are not so great but some some are good not too, to not to insult our, our former guests oh never never but uh, so, some can be a little bit disappointing because they, they I don't know we like to have that intellectual reach uh, that that can bring people deeper and sometimes you don't get that but Indeed. very often you do all right there you go so um, what do we got for time here okay we leave you this evening with a practical quote from American motivational speaker Bird Baggett. Look at life through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. I'm Paul Eno, wishing everyone a happy and prosperous New Year. And I'm Ben Eno, and don't look through the windshields. I, I, don't know, I just think of a window that's just making me think of movies. Anyway, thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.